46th chapter. We are so grateful to see Minister Adrian back with us on this morning. Y'all just sound excited to have one of y'all in the house. We are grateful to see Pastor Schaefer being here with us on this morning as well. All is well with Elder Schaefer. Okay, amen. My mama taught me right. I, I, I checks on people. Had to tell my mother yesterday. I called to check on her. Amen. My mother is uh, 86 years young. 86 years young. And I called her. And I said, What you doing? I'm about to go out of here and go to a birthday party. Well, wait a minute. Well, who's birthday party? Don't they make you and having a birthday party? Mama, first of all, it's in the middle of the day. I pray it's a birthday brunch. Yo, don't, don't be out there doing Cupid Shuffle and all that kind of care. And, all just... and so she she said, yeah, but I got to stop by. Uh, I got to stop by uh, so-and-so's house because they can't go. They got a cold and they want me to stop by and get the car to take it. I said, you call them right back. And you tell them when they will, they can drop off the car themselves. You're not stopping by. Amen. Nobody's house getting up talking about they think they got a call. The devil? Uh-uh. I told you, we watch as well as pray. Amen. Thank you, son. I appreciate you. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 46, starting at the third verse. If you were standing on of God's word, I will be what the Lord has to say. I'm going to find me something that's decaffeinated. Amen. You should ask me yesterday, you ready for tomorrow? No. <laughs> yeah, no red bull. If I wasn't a night owl, it wouldn't be a problem. But I think my best at like 11 o'clock at night. And so staying up till one or two, getting stuff done is not a problem. Till I gotta get up the next morning at five. Amen. Pray my strength in the Lord. Isaiah 46, we're gonna start at the third verse. And it reads as follows from the New American Standard Version. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnants of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. Even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. By the way, this is the Lord talking. I, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me, that we would be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith, and he make it into a god. They bow down, indeed, they worship it. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It does not move from its place, though one may cry to it. It cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Verse 8, remember this and be assured. Remind, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established, 
and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Verse 11, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In light of what the world is dealing with and looking at, God wanted me to remind you on today that I am still doing what I do. I am still doing what I do. Y'all can sound excited about that. Somebody ought to be glad that God is still doing what he has done in the past. It is interesting, you all, that when we get to a place of uh, uh, something that affects us from global proportions, we start to think about what is important, what isn't important. And we really start noticing what it is that we can do and what it is that we have no control in doing. What I'm finding out, you all, is that many people felt like their money could get them out of anything. Many people felt as though their prestige, their notoriety could get them out of anything. Many people thought the type of job that they had could get them out of anything. It, it, isn't it amazing, you all, that even uh, the President of the United States has now had to finally break down and take a test for the coronavirus, and now we're waiting on the results? You all, no matter what it is that you do, there are some things in life that you will not be able to avoid. You will not be able to talk your way out of. You will not be able to hustle your way out of. You will not be able to pay your way out of. You will not be able to outsmart somebody out of. There are some things in life that you must have to deal with and you must have to, to some, uh, uh, I'll use this term loosely, bow to. Amen? Amen. In this scripture, in this passage, um, we see that uh, uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah is talking about idols. And you have to understand that the prophet Hosea, who was a contemporary of uh, uh, Isaiah at that time, um, in Hosea 4, 8 and 4, uh, gave an insight into idolatry, into idolatry. And it says, with their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. They made idols for their own destruction. In this instance, you all, oftentimes, um, they were, um, in, in, in biblical times, and we'll see it now, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But in biblical times, based on the type of God that they worshipped, they used different types of material to create these gods. So they would gather up all of the silver there was and they would create a God. And we ain't talking about a little tiki thing that would sit up on the shelf. We're talking about a big, huge statue that they would have to worship. They would get uh, 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 gold together. They, it wouldn't always, they would have bronze, but sometimes they would use wood. But regardless, it would be something huge and humongous that they would worship. But isn't it interesting, you all, that they would worship something that they had to create other than worshiping the creator? They worshiped something that could not carry them. They had to carry it. They worshiped something 
that they asked for strength, but it didn't have strength to be able to carry itself from here to there. But isn't that what we do with stuff? Oh, come on, somebody. Isn't that what we do with our jobs? Let's think about this now. Everybody, even on my own job, uh, businesses are considering contingency plans. What is it that we do if 50% or, or, or a certain percentage of our workforce goes down with this virus? But they're not... Um, yeah, I'm going to say it because I'm not going to say where I work, so it, it won't be an indictment. Um, but they're not always thinking about the welfare of the people, even though that's the email that go out. In our concern for our staff and your families, you are of our utmost concern. Translation, if we ain't got nobody here to work, how are we going to make money? Can I just... Because we, we put stock in these jobs, but the reality of it is that if 50 to 60% of their workforce is taken out for whatever reason, whether it be a virus, whether it be a hurricane, whether it be an earthquake, whether it be any sort of disaster, they can't function. They can't function, they don't make money. They don't make money, they don't look good on their first quarter, second quarter, third quarter reports. Y'all ain't walking with me in here. So we put stock in a place that really needs us more than we need them. We look at it from, oh, I need that paycheck. But if they can't find anybody to fill your role, it actually costs them more to get rid of you than it does to keep you. How do I know this? Because I, we're in the process of hiring somebody right now. And it's going to take resource hours from somebody who already knows what they're doing away from the things that they need to do in order to train somebody new. So they're actually losing money to make some more money. You also, we sit and we, we think about cars. Cars. I looked at my um, mileage when I came here. I bought my, my truck in 2014 and I'm already at 106 thousand miles on my truck. And for those of you all who remember uh, the green machine that I used to have, which Alicia reminded me that I took all of the youth choir that she was in everywhere. I don't know, man, we was like, okay, I can't call that ethnicity. But y'all know the ones that just climb in. <laughs> And when they start getting out the car, they coming out like 32 deep, just stepping out, st stepping over people to get. <laughs> I mean, I had every kid and every nook and cranny of that truck, I promise you. It was a 2000. Um, I actually uh, got it after um, uh, my daughter was born. And I think I had it for 13 years, 13, 14, 13 years, 13 years. And I had no intention of giving it up, but it gave up the ghost. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we, we, we had to give that up. But I can't put my reliance in a vehicle because eventually that vehicle will stop working. But we got folks that will say the only day that I can maintain my car is on Sunday. It's the only day I can go and get it washed and vacuum it out and, and detail it so it's good for the week. 
We got folks that will, the only day I got to keep my house up is on Sunday. It's the only day I got to be able to do laundry and I clean the house. And, and, and it's the only day that I can maintain things in the house. And, 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 and I'm supposed to be a good wife. Right? I'm supposed to keep up this house. I'm supposed to be faithful over a few things so he make me rule over many. Y'all know how we use the Bible to justify what it is that we ain't got no business doing when we do it. That, that's, that's what we do. So, so you are idols. Idols, when we understand you all that every good thing that our heart goes after, if we prefer it more than God himself, it is an idol. Your family can be an idol. Your health can be an idol. If you're preferring to go and work out uh, and you can only get there when nobody's there on Sunday morning, walk with me. Then it's an idol. Now, I'm not talking about, well, I can't fast because I need to be on this medication. That's wisdom. But if you're saying that, you know, uh, well, I know um, this is, uh, you know, I'm supposed to take these supplements because, you know, I'll be working out and I can't be, you know, letting the guns go down, you know, <laughs> while while we on fast. So, uh, you know, she just going to have to understand that because, you know, I mean, I'm on a mission. And if God afflicts your body, I'm not speaking death. I'm speaking reality. God has the ability to take away from you anything. How do we know this? Because Job is the one that said, the Lord give and the Lord taketh away. It doesn't belong to us anyway. So he has the ability to touch anything you got. Exodus. Exodus, I have to think which book. I want to make sure I was right. Exodus says in it that God, uh, uh, the name of the Lord, whose name is Jealous. That's in the word. It says God's name is Jealous. In other words, he will not allow you to have another God before him. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? He said, there is no God before me, behind me. You will not have strange gods. You will not make it to me a graven image. In other words, little G gods, I need Christian here because he says it well. He said, uh, uh, the, that, that, that uh, uh, commandment is talking about when we take the, the big G God and make it into a little G God. Or we make a little G God into a big G God. It, our kids understand what idols are, but we will sit and say, that's not an idol, that's just me taking good care of X, Y, and Z. When it takes the place of God in your life, it is an idol. Relationships can be idols. Marriages can be idols. We try and figure out how it is that stuff is falling apart. When you put your marriage before God, I got to be honest with you. It took me a while, even though I love God, it had to take me a good while to understand that my husband loved God more than me. And a hush fell over the room. But can I say this right quick? You shouldn't want to be with anybody who don't love God more than you. Because if he honors God, if she honors God, they will honor you. But you can't expect them to honor you and they treat God any kind of way. Your kids can be idols. 
Oh no, oh my God, wait, Snoop, wait, hold it. Susie has a runny nose, wait. No, 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 this is too rough, this is too rough. Give me the ones out of my, oh, listen. Susie got a nasty nose, I don't care what we put on it, but I don't want to see it, amen. Idols, you all, idols. So what is the impact that the idols had on uh, these people? We, I heard I said it in uh, Hosea 8 and 4 that they were built for their own destruction. These idols of gold and silver were built for these own, their own destructions. How can uh, idols be destructive? Because if they pull you away from God, they are for your own destruction. You all, if we try and use the world that God created, against God's intention for creation, then it is for our destruction. You all, and that's what Isaiah is trying to show us in uh, chapters 46 and 47. I'm not going to go through 47. I'm just going to deal with 46. And I'm not even going to deal with the whole chapter. But understand this. Read it for your own understanding. Chapter 46 deals with the idols of Babylon. And chapter 47 is about the destruction of Babylon. What does that mean? It means idolatry and destruction go together. Idolatry and destruction go together. Had Babylon turned to God, they would not have been destroyed. They would have lived. But they would not let go of those idols, so therefore they died. So what is it that God was saying to the people of God <clears throat> excuse me, during this season? He was talking about, I didn't read the first two verses, but the first two verses talked about two idols, Baal and Nabal. Bell and Nabal. And so what he was saying to them is, you all are holding these idols in high esteem. And you all are reassured. He was saying that you all are concerned that I have left you all in exile. And so now you have erected these two idols and you're bowing to them and you've forgotten to bow to me. You have now replaced me with them. And so now I'm going to share with you exactly what it is that I am doing so that you all realize that I am still in control. Because if you keep reading, you all, you all will find that God brings about a fall of his people in order to purify a remnant that was called for his purpose. Can I say this? I don't know. There's speculation out there. You got theorists and you got some real deep spiritual folk that's saying the same thing that they said about H1N1 and the same thing that they said about HIV and that God has called a plague upon his people. I, I, I bind that devil in the name of Jesus. There is no plague that's been called on the people of God. There is no plague that's been called on the people of God. But I will say this, you all, that God will allow. He will allow something to befall the people in order to purify the remnant that is called up for his purpose. But you all, there are no, there are no little G gods that can stop or thwart God's plan for our lives. So listen, let me tell you these three points and I'm done. Because we're in a season right now and God said, 
that he needs for you all to be encouraged. He needs for the people of God, and those of you all that are on Facebook as well, he needs for the people of God to be encouraged in this time of adversity, in this time of struggle. We have gotten to a place now, you all, where uh, people are running away from little kids that sneeze. I was just talking to a friend of mine. I ain't going to throw her name out there. But she works in a school, and she actually uh, works for, uh, uh, she, she works in a certain section of the school, I just say it like that. And so she uh, <laughs> she said she was sitting and helping one of the kids, and all of a sudden, she has heard, <laughs> and you know when it's one like that, you know it's a sound, that you know it's just something, just like wind just here right there. And then, she said she wouldn't. She wouldn't look at the. She wouldn't look at the stool because she's like, I, I don't want to look, but it didn't sound cute. One of the other teachers looked and said, "Ew!" She said, "With the ill, she took off running to the other side of the room." He said, "Said that they started." Uh, okay, you keep your hands down. Keep your hands down, and they would. Somebody else would, here, get that tissue from over there. Now, so-and-so, go just put it on a desk. Don't touch it. Just go, just put it on a desk and walk away. Using the kids. All right, now pick it up. Now wipe your face. Okay, now get this out of it. All right, now you see the garbage can over there? Now go, go put it in the garbage. I said, y'all couldn't even do your jobs. Dealing with the children. But you all, this is what, this is what this world has now come to. That we're struggling with even helping our fellow man because of this. And it doesn't mean you all that we put ourselves in harm's way. But you all, when we get to a place where we're so paralyzed with fear, and I'm not saying that our health is an idol, I'm not saying that uh, uh, us trying to protect ourselves is, uh, you know, uh, is, is us worshiping ourselves as idols. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. We feel as though we are in a place of quarantine exile. Quarantine exile. We can't function the way we normally function. We can't do what it is that we normally do. We can't be around folks the way we're normally around folks. We're very wary about going to stores. We're very wary about, should I go uh, uh, get my hair done? Or should I go to the nail shop? We're very wary about certain things right now because of the type of of, of quarantine exile we're putting ourselves in. Even the social distancing. You're really supposed to be six to eight feet away from somebody. And if you can't be six to eight feet away from them, you're only supposed to be in close quarters with them for no more than ten minutes. We know already went past that except for the folks that's sitting over in that corner. So we've put ourselves, we've been put in a position, you all, where we have to second guess how it is we do. And these people were also in exile. And because they were in exile, they felt as though they were also distanced from God. And so they created idols that were in the place where they are. Because they felt like they couldn't rely on anything else. But God is reminding us just like he reminded them these three points. The first thing is, is that you all, he did it before. He did it before. That's what verse 
4 says to us, it says, even to your old age, I will be the same. Even to your gray years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. And I will bear you, and I will deliver you. You all, we have been through this before. We've been through this before. Y'all remember bird flu? Y'all remember SARS? Y'all remember Zika? Y'all remember Ebola? Ebola, E. coli, Shanamaso, whatever. Y'all remember all of those? Listen, you all remember HIV before they started putting procedures and processes and, 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 and medicine in place? Come on. You all, we've been through this before. And again, I'm not negating anyone's concern, anyone's fears. I'm not. But what I'm saying is, if he was the same God that preserved us back then, the same God that kept us from SARS, the same God that kept us from Ebola, the same God that kept us from West Nile, the same God that kept us when the HIV thing was going on, isn't he the same God that can keep us right now? Yeah, yeah. And can I just be honest with you? When HIV was looming, that's when some of us were in the worst dirt we could have been in. If I wasn't preaching, when I take up running in here, because listen. <laughs> I was in the thick of the hell I was raising back then. But God's grace kept me and you all, I wasn't even walking in the way of righteousness then. And he kept me. How much more will he keep the believer who's walking upright? He did it before. And if he did it before, he's the same God back then as he is right now. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Amen. Not only did God do it before, you all, but God cannot be compared. He can't be compared. Let's, let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me? That we would be alike. Listen, you all, I'm not going to talk about nobody else's belief or whatever. But I'm going to say this. I ain't going to rub no belly to make sure I get good luck so that I don't get sick. I'm not facing to the east. Okay, y'all don't want to. Okay. I, I, I'm not doing all of that. Because if I face to the east, the west, the north, or the south, God is in every place. And so uh, I, listen, if I bow down, if I stand up, if I pray in the morning, afternoon, or evening, when I'm sitting down, when I'm standing up, when I'm driving around, God is always with me. There is not one that can be compared. I don't have to put him on something and drag him around. Matter of fact, he puts me on something and drags me around. It's called grace and mercy. He is not to be compared. And because he's not to be compared, that means that there's no equal to him. Then that means that coronavirus and, and, and any other kind of virus does not compare to him, cannot supersede him, is not greater than him. I don't tell God about my problems. I tell my problems about my God. I 
don't worry about what other folks are doing and saying. I encourage them. What would I have been you all if I had said, well, y'all, listen, um, I mean, I love y'all, but we got some folks that's got uh, compromised immune systems and things that are around us, and so we're going to shut down. Listen, again, I'm not telling people who uh, feel as though they need to be safe to stay at their house. I'm not making them feel bad or anything thereof. Now, if there's some folks that just stayed home because they're using this as an excuse, God will deal with you. God will deal with you. But for those of us who are able-bodied and can come out to the house of prayer, how else will we show the world that the people of God will stand and not bow to Baal? If we go to work, we can go to church. You encounter more folks going to work than you do going to church. Because matter of fact, most folks still in the bed when we go to church. You can get back to the house. They just gonna be waking up, just going out mowing their car, mowing their lawns, washing their cars. They just gonna be getting up by the time you get back to the house. So for those of us who are feeling as though well, this one is a big one, you all. This is, you know, I didn't give any numbers before, but real quick, I just want to share these numbers with you right quick so that you understand what it is that we are talking about in terms of what God is able to do. I told you I was looking at these numbers from John Hopkins, and it's, it's updated like every uh, uh, 30 to 45 minutes. And so um, right now I'm looking at this number. It says the number of uh, deaths from corona is uh, 5,833. But just in the last few minutes that I was just talking to you, the number that have recovered has increased. The number of recovered cases are 73,968. God is not to be compared to this saying we're dealing with something of, 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 of you, know, uh, you know, grand proportions and all that. You're absolutely right. We are, but my God is grander. My God is bigger. My God is greater. My God is a healer. And so for those of us who God, and it's still the, the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego philosophy, God is able to heal. Now, if, he cho- if I get it and he chooses not to heal me, that was within his, his jurisdiction, within his ability, it's within his, his wisdom and his great will. But you know what? If he chooses not to deliver, I still won't bow to Corona. Amen. Amen. Because God is not to be compared. He cannot be compared not only did God do it before, not only can God not only should God not be compared, but you all, God is still in the doing business. He's still in the doing business. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this. Remember the former things long past. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. If I keep going in verse 10, says... Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. The end of verse 11 says this, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. If the Bible says that God is not a man, then he shall lie. 
neither is he the son of man that he shall repent. That means that if he says, surely I will do it, then it's already in the bag. It's already a done deal. All I got to do is just walk this thing out. So all I got to do is just ride it out. All I got to do is just say, okay, God, well, since you got the world doing this, let me go and buy my stock. Since you got the world doing this, let me go ahead and book me some cruises later on in the year. If you gonna go ahead and do this, let me get me some plane tickets because I can get them on dirt cheap right now. Simply because ain't nobody going nowhere, so they done drop the prices for everything. Let me go ahead and buy me up some stuff because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And you just set up something in order for me and my family to be blessed. Let me go ahead and capitalize on this because the believer shall be blessed from the city and the field. We will be blessed in our going out and our coming in. We are blessed from the top and blessed from the bottom. Matter of fact, we will position ourselves to be the lender and not the borrower. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. God will still do even in the midst of calamity. God is still in the doing business. He's still in the doing business. And because he is still in the doing business, why are we sitting on our do nothing? He's still in the doing business. So why are we doing nothing? Why aren't we praying? Why are we, God, I hear you. Why are we not taking opportunity to tell somebody else about the God we serve? Why are we not taking opportunity to tell somebody else why our, our spirits are not shaking? Why are we not taking this as prime opportunity to tell somebody else about the goodness of God? God gives us opportunities and scenarios upon scenarios. Are we using them? Are we using them? Are we just sitting there saying, well, you know, whenever Rona threw, I guess we can go on back to doing what we was going to do. No, how about you do what you need to do? Yes. Do what you need to do right now. Go into work smiling and chipper. Try. <laughs> Try. Yes. Aren't you? Have you been watching the news reports? Are you? Uh-huh. Well, what you think? God is in control. Because <laughs> he, oh, God. Because he's giving us opportunity right now. Everybody's asking you, what do you think? You ain't even got to open up the door. They say, what you think? God is in control. Oh. Did, you, did your church go to church? Yes, show did. You had a wonderful time. Well, what do we talk about? Oh, let me pull out my notes. And then re-preach them the sermon. Come on. Oh, we talked about that God is still doing what he does. Still doing what he does? What did he do? Did you get here today? Yeah, he's still doing what he does. Did you wake up this morning? Yes, he's still doing what he does. Are you still breathing? Yes, he's still doing what he does. That's a nice shirt you got on. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh, because he's still doing what he does. Everything you got, God did it. So he's still doing what he does. He is still the great healer. He is still a delivering God. He doesn't have to be carried anywhere. He doesn't drag us behind because we got to drag him with us. Matter of fact, when we drag it, he picks us up. And he carries us to where we need to be. You all, this is an opportunity for the believer to stand up more than ever before. 
don't allow the, the, the fear of the world to grip you and to stop you in what it is that you believe. You all, we're in a place right now where God can use us. Will you put yourself in that place of being used? He can use us. He can only use you if you make yourself available to him. I'm still doing what I do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for reminding us that you are still God, and before you there is no other. Father, we recognize and we realize, God, that in spite of all things that's going on in the world, none of this caught you by surprise. Before the foundation of the world, you knew. Before we got here, you knew. Before the current administration got in place, you knew. Before the first outbreak happened in China, you knew. Father, before the news outlets got it, you knew. God, before some of these folks that, that left here because of it got it, you knew their beginning and their ending. God, had it not been from this, it would have been from something else because you did what you did and you said our timelines, our days are already written. It didn't shorten anybody's life. But God, you already know the outcome of all things. And even in this, God, you already know the outcome. God, we look at the numbers and we uh, some are wondering where you are. But God, believers look at the number and we say you're right where we expect you to be in control. So, Father, we thank you for these believers that have come. We thank you for those that are on Facebook. Father, we thank you for their lives. God, we thank you for their commitments. God, even now, God, we speak a bomb of Gilead, a blessing over every life right now. God, that your bomb of Gilead will heal the body, not just those, oh God, that uh, have come in contact with, with anyone with the virus, but God, from anything, from, from high blood pressure, from a cold, God, from, from the flu, God, from asthma, from allergies. God, we're not just talking about uh, uh, the coronavirus right now, but God, your bomb of Gilead heals the body, and it heals the sin-sick soul, and it heals it of whatever ailment it may have. So, Father, we thank you even now for touching us. Touching us in our mind, touching us in our heart, touching us in our spirit, God. Father, we thank you. Father, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for strengthening us. God, thank you for preparing us with this word to be able to encourage somebody else that might be cowering in fear, that we have no reason to fear because the Lord is our life. And Father, I thank you for each and every believer that is assembled here on today, God. Father, I thank you, God, that you will uh, endow them, God, with wisdom, with insight, with compassion for their fellow man. God, that when they come in contact with a, a person at work, or they come in contact with a neighbor, God, when they have a family member calling, ask their input, God, that you would give them, uh, 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 just kind of remind them, God, that this is the divine appointment that you set them up for. And then, God, give them the words to say. God, not words that are uh, condemning, not words that are condescending, not, God's, not words that are pointing to anyone's uh, concern in terms of causing them to feel as though they shouldn't be. But God, let them speak words of Jesus that would tell them to be of good cheer, for you have overcome the world. And Father, we glorify you and give your name reverence on today, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs>
in spite of all things that's going on, you all remember God is still doing what he does. And he does all things well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's rest to our feet. Let's rest to our feet. You all look in the room. You all see the absent body of this ministry. That is also a prime opportunity for you to call somebody and say, hey, just checking on you. How you doing? Um, um, I think 